Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Show Me Show podcast for episode 89. Um, today, uh, we are going to revisit uh, Super Bowl 58. Uh, it's been almost two weeks removed now. Uh, we didn't do a show last week, um, but we will revisit the Super Bowl. We will take a look at some segments with Say Hello, Kiss It Goodbye, and then the um, tough scene of the week. Um, we'll talk some college basketball because we haven't really done that in a long time, probably not since November, really, um, with some little Mizzou talk here and there, obviously. And uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty much it. So um, let's just go ahead and start. Luke is just put on, it looks like a Cardinals jersey. We're almost to that time of the year as yep. well as uh, spring training has uh, finally started. Um in fact, there's this weekend going on as we speak. So, uh, but uh, yeah, let's uh, just revisit the Super Bowl real quick. It's been a while um, since it actually happened. So that's well, kind of we just think on it's us. been a while, but it, well, it has. I mean, it's just we missed one show. That's it's that's it's it. just not as fresh in the brain. But uh, you know, I, basically, the biggest takeaway from this entire game is Mahomes. It's uh, that's basically, you know, that's the biggest thing. Um, you know, he kind of just continues to cement himself as in the goat conversation, and he was already there pretty much. And uh, it kind of just keeps getting deeper and deeper because of the way he carries his teams in the Super Bowls, uh, for the most part, honestly. At least this one, um, he's really doing the bulk of the lifting. Defense did very good as well, but they, I mean, they did all year. Yeah. I think what was the stat? It was like there was only one game this year where they allowed more than 20 points on defense. And of course, to Jordan Love. But um, I mean, that's insane to hold. That's, that's a Brady like defense. Like the Patriots dynasty, that's the type of defenses that they were putting out. And I mean, they, they rode the D all the way to the, uh, all the way to the Super Bowl win. And, uh, I mean, Mahomes played very well. But, man, I mean, the defense, they couldn't have done it this year without that that defense and Spags over there. I mean, it was it was awesome. Just <laughs> they, they have so many guys. Every single tier, secondary, linebackers, D-line, just everybody is just was flying around making plays all year. And, I mean, they did in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, no, we talked about that even before the game. Like, this is the Super Bowl if you're Mahomes that you kind of have to win because you're not going to get these kind of defenses very often. And just to talk about how we kind of got there to that defense, you know, the Chiefs have now won back-to-back Super Bowls after trading away one of the best wide receivers of this generation. You know, Tyree Kill, going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, And... You know, he was their main target when he was uh, a chief and now he's gone. And, uh, and now it's, it's mostly Kelsey now is the main guy now, but uh, Kelsey was still kind of the main guy. Yeah, but not yardage wise. I mean, uh, Hill would still clear him yardage wise because Hill would constantly put up hundred, just like he did this year, you know, 160, 180 yards because he would make big plays. Kelsey, yeah, sure. He's definitely going to catch you at nine passes for 102 yards and a touchdown. But um, Hill's always been the big play guy, and he, they haven't had him, and they've still been able to win. 
Um, and then on the other side, you know, Brock Purdy uh, played much better, I'd say, than – I wouldn't say maybe much, much better, but he definitely played better than Jimmy G in the 2020 Super Bowl. Um, didn't really make any mistakes, really. Missed a couple guys here and there, but didn't really make any huge mistakes that hurt the team. And then uh, so Brock didn't play bad. And I guess what you kind of come to the conclusion as is, you know, for Kyle Shanahan, who hasn't won a Super Bowl yet, he kind of just is what what he is right now. And Andy (laughs) Reid was actually in this same exact spot pretty much. Um, You know, he had lost in the Super Bowl. Um, He had lost in the NFC Championship a couple of times. And uh, he had been knocked out of the playoffs a couple of times with another great quarterback, Donovan McNabb, uh, although uh, Shanahan hasn't quite had a McNabb. But um, you kind of get the gist. You know, they both had very – they've had very similar starts to careers. Obviously, Andy Reid never blew a huge lead in the Super Bowl. But that's that's more of the thing is Andy Reid – one, he only went to one Super Bowl. Um and he lost it to Tom Brady. But Kyle Shanahan has now not only been in multiple Super Bowls, but he has blown double-digit leads in every Super Bowl he's been in, which as an offensive guy is, I mean, not as concerning because you're not running the defense, but also, like, he can't he can't finish those games. And I don't, I don't know if it's really his fault, but, I mean, it is. There has to be something to it. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, and you also have to look at, all three of his Super Bowl losses have come against prime Mahomes, and especially this one. This one is definitely prime Mahomes. The first one is still kind of young Mahomes, uh, even though I would say he was I, still very, it, very good. Um, didn't he win an MVP that year, or was that the year before? He won the MVP the year before when they ended up losing to the Patriots. Still kind of prime, though. And you know, Definitely, I agree. I, he's basically been in his prime his whole year, or his whole career. Um, and then he also lost to prime Brady. So in the Super Bowl, um, which is funny to say that that's prime Brady at the end of that, uh, you would think that's kind of towards the end of Brady's career, but really, it, it really wasn't. He played on for such a long time, even after that Super Bowl. Um, but so he's lost to literally one and two on the goat lists, um, in terms of quarterbacks, obviously how he lost the one to Tom Brady is will never ever leave him um but uh all they I think this last one I think this last one even more somehow than the 2021 you know doesn't hurt doesn't sting as bad into on the on the resume as it should but it will feel just it will feel really bad like Shanahan really had this one I feel like this year he had the team as healthy as pretty much it's ever been in the season really, except for maybe towards the beginning and they still weren't able to do it. And it was just, it was just Mahomes at the end, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, he was able to just continue to go drive for drive at the end. Um, and they couldn't really stop it. Yeah. I mean, that was, it was really cool to see the overtime because since they implemented those new playoff overtime rules, we haven't had one yet. Um, so it was really the the first chance that we got to see those, those rules and the new format on display. And um, I mean, I don't think it really changed a lot because the 49ers won the toss. They wanted to receive the ball, which is what you would do in the normal overtime. They went down, kicked the field goal, and then the Chiefs went down and scored a touchdown. So really, I mean, even if they didn't change the rules at all, I think it was the same result. However, um, 
now you get the strategy talk of, you know, should you have called the ball first? And I was initially on the side of, no, I get what Shanahan was going for, you know, because you go down, you score, then the Chiefs get back and they score. And then after that, it becomes normal overtime where it's, you know, the the next person who scores wins the game. And I was like, well, you know, that Mahomes is probably going to score. So you want that ball again. So you have the chance to score, you have the ball last basically. But then I realized, and Chris Jones even said it a few days later, like if they went down and scored, we were just going to go for two and win the game. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the risk that you run. And so that makes me think that they probably should have chosen to take the ball second or kick off. And uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's, it's really, weird. really lose, know what to do. It's very lose lose situation when you're going up against Mahomes in this. Like this makes it yeah. unique. Mahomes it, versus Mahomes in overtime makes it pretty damn unique. If you're going up against, like, say you have these playoff rules and you're going up against, I don't know, like Justin Herbert, you know, or something like that, you know, like. You just don't expect the same things like that you do expect out of Mahomes, you know, and which is saying a lot because Herbert is very, very good, but you know, Mahomes is different. It's it's a different thing. Like that's that's what makes this conversation so interesting, I think, in terms of the new rules, and we haven't really seen it, and we get to see it come into play in a Mahomes Super Bowl, which makes it that much harder of a decision. But to be honest, I don't know if there was a whole lot of thought going into it. Obviously, there was all the <laughs> reports afterwards that came out saying that they didn't really talk about the rules or the players didn't really talk about the rules. Personally, I think Shanahan, he's pretty damn smart. I'm sure he kind of knew what to do no matter what, like or what he was going to do going into that kind of a situation, but maybe not the whole team knew. But um, still crazy. Yeah. It, it, it's just yeah. crazy. Yeah, and they're, the thing, like, Kyle Shane even said, like, well, I talk with the analytics department. Well, analytics are based off, like, past results and chances and stuff like that. This was the first time it happened, so there were no analytics on what to do. So the analytics department, I don't think, would have been of much help in that case. Um, it's more just kind of based off vibes, and the vibes were definitely trending in the Chiefs' direction. So I guess, like, you're like, hey, we got to take this back. We got to score here, put the pressure on them. <laughs> Um, but they kind of did put the pressure on them by scoring a field goal, at least making them go down. Yeah. The one thing I do like these rules better because it it's nice to see like the other team get a chance to get the ball and stuff. That I think that's really cool. I think it was really dumb that you know you lost the coin toss and then you can never touch the ball. I mean, it happened to Aaron Rodgers multiple times, um, which sucked. But I, the one thing I don't like about the overtime rules, and we talked about this, and I don't think it's being talked about enough, is that it's just a new game. Like the clock means nothing. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the fr- like the end of the first overtime, um, when the Chiefs were they had no urgency to score before the end of the first overtime, which they ultimately did, but there was really not a lot of urgency. I think it should be like at the end of the first overtime. If you're not tied, then the game should be over. I mean, that's kind of that that would just seem normal. Like it's one overtime period. If you happen to be tied after that, then you go into a second overtime period. I just thought it was weird how it's like, oh no, it's kind of just like a first quarter. You know, you get to keep the ball and start a new that just didn't it didn't feel right to me. And I think they need to change that. Um Yeah, it kind of that part know, that felt like weird. that part felt like college football in terms of there's really no clock. 
um, except of a, a for a game clock. You know, that's basically all there was. Um, I don't have that much of a problem with Play it. Clock. I do think that uh, if you do just make it like one extra quarter, kind of like basketball or whatever, like just end it like how you just said. Um, and if it's tied, you go to a second overtime. I do think that would maybe make it more intense. But I'm also kind of a football old head. I don't really care. Like, if in terms of the regular season, I'm fine with the old overtime rules. I think it's yes. – I th- honestly, I truly believe that, you know, if you can't get a stop, then you probably don't deserve to win. Um, so – And also, like, guys are so tired. They, they give 100% effort every single yeah. week. And, I mean, by the time overtime happens, they're just – they're dead. But in the playoffs, yeah. I think guys are like, no, like we want a chance yeah, yeah, yeah. to have both sides of, you know, our team have a chance to go out there and show what they can do in overtime. But yeah, like regular season, I don't think there's a lot of pushback on that. It, it is kind of silly whenever it ends in a tie, but as far as like first score wins. Uh, yeah, I agree. It I'm is weird. I guess it is weird when it ends in a tie. I don't think we had a tie this year, though. We didn't. Um, yeah. But I can't, uh, I, when was the last time that happened? I don't know. I think it was just two seasons ago. But um, no. anyway, I, you know, ties are kind of unique, though, too. So, like, I don't have a problem with that either. Um, and when we were talking about Shanahan talking about analytics for this sort of deal, I wonder if, you know, their analytics team, you know, went and researched, like, college football overtimes. You know, because, like, it's not the same, but, you know, it is the same in terms of deciding who gets the ball first because no matter what, the other team gets it back, you know, unless it's, like, intercepted or something like that and taken all the way back. But, um, you know what I mean? Like, that's the only other football where it was set up like that, Um, even though after that you have to start – there's all kinds of weird rules for college football. You got to start going for two, and then they just go to the – two-point conversion off but you know there's lots of uh examples of college football overtimes over the years of where very similar situations except that you start at the 25 but um yeah because i don't i agree though with you i don't know what analytics they're looking at for that um exactly yeah um so that whole thing, it was cool, but it was also very weird because a lot of people were uninformed on what exactly was happening. Um, the Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid interaction was very weird. I don't think it's being, I mean, obviously it was memed for like the entire week that, you know, that was a huge meme of the Kelsey screaming at Andy Reid, which I don't think there was a huge problem with him, like going up to him and being like, Hey, put me in the game. Like I'm, the best player I want to be in the game in that situation. I think that's perfectly fine. But it, it was the fact that he like pushed him and like shoved him a little bit and almost knocked him over that. I mean, that's a little concerning. I, I don't feel like that's being talked about quite as much. Like imagine if they lost that game, the, everyone's talking about that. Like, well, you know, they have bad locker and whatever they're talking about. Yeah. But, I mean, he pushed the, Andy Reid, he's not a young guy. He's not a mobile guy by any means. Um, It was a very weird, a little concerning to me. Here's the thing. You're right. If they would have lost that game, it'd still be on talk shows every single day two weeks later. But the thing is, they won that game. So it's really not going to be talked about. And I agree with the fact that it it really shouldn't be talked about since they won because – Here's the thing. 
going back through time, I mean, you want to talk about the true winners of all the major sports. They all get a things, you know, there can be tension and animosity um, all over the place. I mean, just look at Michael Jordan. I mean, he like punched teammates in the face from at, at certain points and he's, you know, he's kind of like the goat in, uh, you know, in his retrospect too. So, I mean, it was crazy. I will say, I mean, it was crazy to see, but I think it was mostly just a heat of the moment thing and football emotions run extremely high and it's a Super Bowl. Um, did he overreact? Yeah. And I'm sure if you really asked him, he'd probably tell you that he overreacted um, in terms of, pushing and shoving and the yelling to coach Reed um, who he loves dearly. And coach Reed loves Travis Kelsey. Um, it's just something that kind of happened. Um, you know, yeah, that's why, like, I think, that's why I think it's okay to, you know, to overlook it, especially, you know, that, that they won too, because if the, if they would have lost and the media really deep dough, like dive deep into it, you know, it would honestly probably just worsen the relationship between Kelsey and, uh, Coach Reed, which isn't what you want to do, you know, as a just a, a genuine person uh, from the media. So, but that's what it would do. So, yeah, and the fact that like they were both asked about it after the game and and stuff, and they were both like, eh, whatever. Like Andy Reed didn't seem to really care about it. Yeah, a whole lot of just like, oh, you know, Travis was emotional and fired up in the moment, and I think you'd rather have your guys fired up than not, especially in the Super Bowl. So, um, I mean, that is part of it is that it was just kind of like a whatever but it has to wonder like maybe like the next day Andy Reid maybe called in like Travis Kelsey into his office and was maybe like uh so about that um (laughs) you know maybe they had a private conversation about it I don't know but whatever it is I don't think it's going to be a big deal in the future but no I don't think it is either is there but because that you say that about you know bringing him into his office or whatever um who knows if that happened? Probably not. I'll be honest, because they just won the Super Bowl and they're all celebrating. But I remember earlier this year, you know, Coach Reed got into it in front, got all up in uh, Kelsey's face on the sideline for being a little baby, you know, and throwing his helmet everywhere. Because I remember Coach Reed got up in his face and said, "Look, hey, this this team doesn't need like a you know a bunch of crybabies. We need leaders. And if you're going to do that, then you're not. No, I'm not going to put you in." Um, so, um, you know, yeah, and maybe that, maybe he loved it. Maybe, heart. maybe, yeah. Maybe after he shoved him, he's like, yeah, that's the type of intensity I want from you, Travis, and put him in instantly. <laughs> yeah. I don't <laughs> know about had the that, opposite react. Yeah. Cause you know, you can't have the whole team shoving your coach. That's not leadership. Well, yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah. But as far as yeah. the intensity and stuff, um, yeah, other than that, that's, that's all I have other than the, the picture of Mahomes lying down on the turf like with his hands above his head that's going to be an all-time iconic picture that's just shared from generation to generation I feel like I mean like you think about some of the all-time iconic photos of just legends like the Michael Jordan one when he won the first championship and he's like crying holding the the trophy um the Kobe one where he's you know he has the the dormant reaction while he's holding the trophy I mean those are just iconic photos and we don't really have a ton in the NFL, I feel like, but that one is just going to be like when you think about this era of football and how it's being dominated by Mahomes, it's just, yeah, it's cool. 
Yeah, I agree. It was <laughs> definitely it. a really cool picture. Um, yeah, I think the the ones that happened in the NFL always seem to get memed. You know, it's people like uh, Stephon Diggs watching the celebration happen. Well, that's a little different because he lost. <laughs> so yeah, I know, but uh, you're right. There isn't a whole lot of just like huge standout ones um, in the NFL. I think what the is it Len Dawson. After the Chiefs won their first Super Bowl, I think there's a picture of the cigar. Yeah, um, I feel like the Joe Burrow cigar, name, honestly. Name in the LSU. Um, yeah, I feel like there's more. There probably is more college ones, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, it, it was cool though. It was definitely mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, it was a great game. Um, so much. I mean, both teams played very, very even. Obviously, went to overtime, but I mean turnovers yards it was just a very evenly played game and uh I, I i don't know if the better team came out on top but mahomes came out the better player came out on top the legend did so um very cool moment and i, I mean the chiefs are definitely going to be the hated they kind of already are but the hated team especially in, among afc fans um and i get that i get that completely um but yeah that is the that's the nfl season culminates with another Mahomes championship after all that <laughs> yeah for real um all right uh I get, we'll try and do the coaches episode soon just to yeah and it probably won't be super in depth but we'll look at all the hires we'll poke fun yeah. we'll uh we'll give grades uh we'll see kind of a tradition of the show yeah so we uh, haven't actually <laughs> gone back to see what some of the grades were um, from last year's, I just know Frank turned Reich, out. Yeah, Frank Reich was not very high on either of us, and he is obviously not a coach anymore. But D'Amico Ryan's was very high for both of us. I think that was my highest, actually. Mm-hmm. That, I don't know I, the Shane Steichen one. I think we missed on. We were a little low on him. Um, but this year was definitely a lot better than the previous year. Yeah, I think I, I would like to revisit. That. I think I had Sean Payton as my top, if I had to remember. Yeah, which, which I mean. Not they bad, were better. but we'll see. Yeah. It's I mean, it's hard to judge off of one year, obviously, um, because he's going to make some serious overload changes. But uh, yeah, we'll really know a lot more this year, I think, yeah, about the probably. future of the Broncos. Unless they draft a rookie quarterback, then it's still kind of hard to tell. But <laughs> then it starts well, first year of the quarterback, you know, excuses. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, what do you want to do next? We have some. We haven't talked basketball hardly at all because it's been so. I mean, it's been the NFL playoffs. Um, and baseball, I think we we talked about pretty much that last week, just at starting. Um, and then I'll have something later on that. You want to get tough scene? Yeah, we'll do that. Return a tough scene. Um, I only got one this week, um, and it is the MLB jerseys. Uh, I don't know if you've seen these, Cam. I'm, I know you probably have a little bit, but they completely remodeled the NFL, the MLB jerseys, excuse me. They changed the material. They changed the design, um, and it is awful. Um, it, a lot of the players are speaking out about it, how much it sucks. Uh, the design looks very – like the, the nameplate on the back of the jersey, the number, it looks like a video game almost, like it was designed by like a pixelated – like 2d video game company like mlb like nine innings or you know rbi baseball or something like that it just looks very cartoonish um very silly and uh the material 
Uh, some players like it, but the biggest thing is the pants. So the previous set of MLB jerseys had three different sizes of pants, right? I don't, I assume it's like a small, medium and large or something like that. There's only two now. So they took out a size and a lot of the players are like, yeah, neither of these sizes really fit me. Like they took out that middle size that I like that fit me well. And now it's like the pants are too loose or they're too tight or whatever. And there's also a huge problem, which is on display. I'm watching um, the Dodgers and Padres right now. Not a very good game, 14 to one, but the white pants, you can see right through them. I mean, it, it's a huge problem. I, the Otani picture that came out a few days ago, it was very apparent. And then in this game, the Padres are wearing their white pants and it, they're just completely see-through. And uh, so I, I don't know what the MLB is going to do about it. Rob Manford gave a press conference about it. And he was like, you know, we're obviously like we're open to trying new things, but we're going to see how these work in spring training. And it's not too late to pull them back and go back to the old style, which I think they might do because I'm, it's just all negative around these jerseys. And also, why change them? No one was complaining about the jerseys. And they just changed them out of nowhere. And that just, I mean, if it if it's not broke, then why fix it? And uh, because you're probably just going to make it worse like they have. So that's it's just a huge tough scene for the MLB and the players because – it, it was just a senseless change that is making it worse. <laughs> I so I uh, everybody knows my stance on the, on the on the MLB and in terms of watching it, whatever. But I'm not going to sit here and act surprised that something like this happened. Uh, first off, I'm not going to act surprised that they're doing the players dirty by taking out sizes of pants and aggravating the players. And all this kind of bullshit. And I'm also not it's always it's always funny to me how like behind with the time like they're always like lagging behind uh both the NBA and the NFL. Like the NFL, they kind of went through the same shit, but it was just like five to six, seven years ago when they were trying out all the color rush stuff and people love to clown and still do make fun of the some of the color rush jerseys. Um, in fact, some of them stuck and are still like in teams rotation. Some of them completely eradicated and you'll never see, uh, anybody ever wear it again. Um, NBA has done a lot of the same stuff. You know, they have about a million different jerseys. Um, and a lot of them are really cool. And some of the really cool ones, they kind of like keep within the repertoire and the ones that the fans just absolutely belittle and uh, berate. You know, they kind of get rid of. Um, so it yeah, sounds the like thing about you know, the NBA is like every team has all the colors for their jerseys. <laughs> and that just it kind of aggravates me a little bit. Like when you see like teams wearing each other's colors, but like they're alternate jerseys. That's just a little weird. But I mean, the MLB has the same problem with the city connects. Some of them are really cool and some of them suck. So, yeah, I know. Exactly. And that's I think the MLB will figure out the fact of which ones fans like and which ones don't. And they'll keep those for some teams and just get rid of them for the others. But I think it, it always is comical that how behind they are with everything. You know what I mean? Like they do, they're trying out basically the same thing that, uh, the NFL did. Incoming phone ago. call there. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> but, uh, you know what I mean? Like it's just that's just so typical. But whatever. 
yeah, it, that is true. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, that that's all my tough scenes. Uh, my tough scene uh, is uh, nobody's going to want to work with the board of curators. Uh, so, Bazoo hired an oversight committee for. They just received a sixty-two million dollar donation. I think we had were able to talk about that yeah. on the last show. And uh, then they hired a committee or a committee was appointed to like handle and oversee like all this financial stuff after you receive a donation that big, um, which kind of makes sense hindsight, but it ended up backfiring like immediately because within weeks of putting the board together, our, uh, our AD left up and left uh, after some tension. And then, um, now I don't think anybody is really going to want to take the job now because if they have to work under an oversight committee, you know, and well, um, here's people, somebody will take the job because it's here's money AD at an SEC school. I mean, that's, yeah, that's well, that just received job, a $62 million donation. Yeah. But, but no one good is going to want to take yeah. the job. That's the problem with it. Um, like I, if they offered me the job, I, obviously I would take that. I'd take it. Yeah. Um, I'd take it. They're not going to have a problem filling the position, but whether or not the, you know, the person in the position will be a quality person will probably be, the chances are very low. (laughs) I'll just say that. Um, yeah, but we'll talk about that whole situation because, um, that's a later segment, but that will be talked about at the end of this show (laughs) in, in depth, I think. A little, a little hint, though. And then my next tough scene is uh, what was it? Oh, oh, last week after the Tennessee, or not last week, just two nights ago, um, after the Tennessee loss to Mizzou, lost to Tennessee at home, really close game. They only lost by five. The last two games they've played really hard, really well against Ole Miss and Tennessee. Um, on the road at Ole Miss, only lost by three, lost by five, two. I think they're ranked like what? What were they ranked? Like eighth? Tennessee, five? fifth? Fifth. They're ranked fifth. At home. Um, We lost by five, but in the presser, they were asking Coach Gates about uh the team's ability to draw fouls because there was like a big, you know, Tennessee egg. Like they were like in the double bonus, like really fast. And Mizzou only had like two or three fouls drawn. And he goes, we suck at it. We're fucking terrible <laughs> um, in, in terms of drawing fouls. And he goes, make sure you guys keep that in there and don't bleep it out in, in the in like the presser and the headlines. Uh, but now it, it kind of backfired really fast because like obviously all the KU fans, all the Illinois fans, Arkansas fans, they all kind of banded together really fast and just started memeing it. And it now I can't really go into any Mizzou hoops comment section without them just posting the "we're fucking terrible" video. So, but it's true. It's nice. It's nice to them. uh, Yeah, they're not wrong. And it is actually good to see Dennis finally being like not sugarcoating everything, you know, in his pressers. Um, So, well, I, I mean it. As much as it sucks as, as fans of this team to have to watch them because, I mean, at this point, we just kind of know they're going to lose going into the games. Um, but, I I mean, being 
in that team. I mean, on the team, coaching the team, being a member of the team is so much worse. I mean, whatever you think it is as a fan, it's worse for them. And uh, because they have to keep going, they have to, they can't go into the game thinking they're going to lose. That's not how it works. You know, we can do that, but they can't. Uh, And it just, I mean, it sucks. It's, it's a massive tough scene. Uh, And emotions are, (laughs) they're running high or running thin. Um, But the thing about, I mean, they're in almost every game they play. They just, they don't have that, that star player. Like, I mean, we saw it on Tuesday night against Tennessee. Tennessee was we were beating them most of the game, and then they just had Dalton Connect, their their NBA prospect player, got hot, and he just made like five or six shots in a row, took control of that game. Mizzou doesn't have that player. Last year, we had Kobe Brown. Kobe Brown wasn't on. We had Des Moines Hodge. That could, we had players that could take control of games. We just don't have that this year. I mean, we have a number of good players, but we just don't have that star player that can really take control of a game. And I mean, when, when you're a power five school, you, you need someone like that in order to be competitive. Yeah. And our, you know, our best player, Sean East, who scored over 20 again, um, you know, he missed like three or four free throws in the final, like two minutes, you know, you lose by five. So, you know, that it's tough, you know, when you're talking about your best players in terms of taking over games, but even just like sealing games and staying in games and stuff. And, you know, we did talk about how they have been in just about every game. But there was a stretch there where they literally got 20 pieced for like two weeks in a row. So, um, in just about every game. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I love Sean East. I think he's, he's a phenomenal player. Yeah. Uh, but been our best player this year. He is. Yeah. He definitely has been the best player, but he's also not the caliber of best. Like, you'd love to have him in your starting lineup if you're. I mean, any March Madness team would take him and probably put him on the starting lineup instantly. Just the way he plays, um, the way he can, you know, manage the ball. But he's just not a number one option on a team. He's just not that caliber of a player. And uh, yeah. he's our he's, number one option, but he's not a that's number one. Why we're zero thirteen? <laughs> yeah. Um, in, in conference play, I should say. Uh, yes. Yeah, massive tough seed. <laughs> Um, but that kind of leads us right into college basketball. So uh, we'll take a glance yeah. at that real quick. Yeah, I mean, I'm the college basketball guy on this podcast, I feel like. And uh, we haven't really been talking about it a lot, uh, probably mainly because I haven't been watching the games. I've been following every game, but it's mostly been like box score checking. I haven't really been watching the tapes a lot like I have been in previous years, um, just for whatever reason. So this this week especially, I've – I've watched college basketball every single day, um, just trying to get a read on some of the teams, some of the upsets, um, uh, but some frauds are starting to emerge as they do every year. Um, you start to see some frauds. Um, so take this with a grain of salt because last year I had Miami on my fraud list at around this time and they obviously went to the final four, but, um, most of my frauds this year consist of teams in the mountain West um, especially, uh, and Dayton is a big fraud, I think. Um, I also haven't watched, but like I said, I haven't watched a ton this year. Um, but one thing I do, I will notice, we're very top-heavy. In years past, there's been like some small conference schools that you'll look at and be like, hey, they're having a good year. That You know, they could go on a little run. They could make some upsets. Um, 
that's re- that's just really not the case this year. I mean, some of the top Indiana State will be a top one um, that a lot of people pick as an upset, um, but they have their flaws too. Some of the other like t- projected twelve seeds are like Akron, uh, Samford, uh, McNeese State is going to be probably a twelve seed. Grand Canyon they only have two losses, but a lot of those teams aren't just they're just not moving the needle for me. I don't I don't know why. I'm just I'm feeling like this is going to be a very top heavy March Madness. Obviously, the top dog like UConn is above and beyond everyone. Um, and then especially like some of the two seeds like Kansas, UNC, Tennessee. Um, I mean Purdue's even up there, even though they're going to be a one seed. It's just a very top heavy year, um, which usually creates a wild March Madness because when you think it's top heavy that's when the upsets start to happen the most. Um, so it could get exciting. I'm excited for it, as always. Oh, I agree. I also think, like, the past couple of years, we've had some non-top-heavy March Madnesses, and those ones have been just as crazy. So, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like I haven't been watching really much college basketball either besides Mizzou and Carolina. Obviously, I have to go to every... Mizzou home game, but uh, and I've been watching a lot of ACC basketball on the heels. But outside of that, that's that's pretty much the extent of it um, for me, for sure. Um, yeah, speaking of ACC, it's risky putting an ACC team on the fraud list, but Clemson. Um, no, that's fair. Their ability to close out games is awful. Like if they have they have the ability to like blow you out. But if they're in a close game, yikes, they, they can't pull it out. And, uh, you know, they, they get in a battle with Grand Canyon or something like that. I don't know <laughs> what's going to happen. I mean, it, they could uh, – <laughs> it's very possible for them to lose first round, I think. Um, they're, but they're also kind of not like a traditional ACC basketball school. Like, you know, yeah, some of like the, that's true. Like the UNC, Miami, Virginia, Virginia Tech yeah. – Virginia, uh, Georgia Tech even. I mean, Florida State, some of those ACC teams. Clemson just doesn't – they never really do anything in, in March, it yeah. seems like. Virginia's back up to their old tricks. Um, yeah, they're kind of just weird. They're just Virginia, back to being – no, but they're back up to their old tricks. They, they are absolutely, positively one of the best defensive teams, but holy moly, they also can't really score. And so if they get in a battle with a team that's also playing good defense, it's basically just good night. I mean, I think this happened the <laughs> other night. I mean, they got they got bodied, and they only scored like 30-something points, and, and they just got blown yeah. out of the water. Yeah. I'm, I mean, they're not really frauds. They just kind of are what they are. Like, people are like, yeah, they play really good defense. Um, they don't really have a lot offensively. That's just – that's just what but they are. Like, run with that before, which is, but they've usually have had a couple NBAers on their team as well. But you know, they've won that way before. But uh, they're always interesting to keep your eye out on. Yeah, it just seems like they're really, really embracing. Like they've always been the good defensive team. Like low, they're kind of like the Iowa of college basketball, if you will. Yeah, um, like where they win a lot, it, the strategy works, but it never really connects for a playoff run. <laughs> Except so when, they did a when they play years the. Ago. Well, that was when they had actually they had a good offense that year too. Like they had Kyle yeah. Guy, they had Ty Jerome, Jerome um, uh, 
Hunter, uh, Trav, uh, not Travis Hunter. Uh, what's his face? I'm blanking on his first name. He plays for the Hawks now. Um, I mean, they had Hunter or Hwerter? Uh, no, Hunter. Hunter, I'm, I'm nearly positive. Um, what's his face? Some, you Look it up. Look it up while I talk here. Okay. <laughs> look up Hunter for the Hawks or something. DeAndre Hunter. That's what it is. DeAndre Hunter. Um, I mean, th- yeah, they could shoot the ball. and They could play. They could run an offense that year that they won it all. And uh, so, yeah, they, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they win a first-round game, but they're probably going to be in the 7 to 10 seed range, and then you're going to end up playing a top dog that has that offense, and they're just not going to be able to outscore them. Um. We're getting into a little bit of the weeds here. Of, I'm going to look at some bracketology real quick to, to spark my memory on this college basketball journey here. See if I can get some frauds. Um, New Mexico is the one team from the Mountain West that I actually like that I think can make a little bit of a run. Um, and Cam, the thing you sent me on Twitter the other day is actually an essential thing. Um, let me try and find it. So 95.5% of national champions this century have had a top 21 offense in Kempom ratings. And 90% of national champions this century have had a top 31 defense. I mean, that's kind of the key. You have to have a great all-around game to win the title, right? Offense and defense. And currently, there are only eight teams that fit that mold. So four of them are probably going to be one seeds. UConn, Purdue, Houston, and Arizona. Probably going to be the one seeds. And then... You have Tennessee and Carolina, probably going to be two seeds. Duke, who's on the two to three seed realm, and then Creighton. Um, so those are those are your eight teams you got to pick from. And if you don't pick one of those eight teams to win it all, you're nuts. Because I can almost guarantee the title winner this year will be one of those eight teams. Yeah, I think one team that's interesting is Iowa State because they're either going to go like on some hellacious run in the tournament or they will be out like first weekend. You know what I'm saying? Like they're, they're it's one of those teams. Um, I feel like there's yeah, a couple one of those. They can beat around. anyone, but they can lose to anyone. Also. Oh, they can lose to absolutely anybody. So, yeah. but they can beat anyone too. They can beat. Yeah. Anyone. They play a good game. Yeah. Um, I agree. I feel like so, the SEC hey, has a lot of one. teams like that actually this year as well. Um, you know, you've seen Kentucky. They could probably beat just about anybody, but they can also lose very easily to a lot of teams. Alabama, can they've scored 100 points eight times Offense. this year. And uh, the only the last team to do that from the SEC was Kentucky, and they won the title. So, um, you know, you know, it's crazy. Oh, man, dude, but- Mark Sears is – I hope he's a good NBA player because he's so fun to watch. Um, I'm not a fan of Alabama basketball by any means, but yeah, I do like Mark Sears. Sure. I think the SEC may be in line to get the most bids out of any conference too. There's so many just really, really solid teams in the SEC. You know, South mm-hmm. Carolina. I re- I like Mississippi State. I like this. I don't think they're gonna like I do, too. do anything I love crazy, them. but they are just very fundamental, and they just have a lot of really solid players. Um, <laughs> I like Ole Miss too. I think they're pretty damn good. Um, you know, they're just there's always teams <laughs> like that. I don't know. I I don't know about Ole Miss, but Mississippi State feels like the team that they're not going to win it all, but they they feel like an elite eight team. I, they, you know I, I feel mean? like they, yeah, I feel like they could definitely Final be a sweet sixteen ish. Oh yeah, you know, for sure. Uh, if they get placed in like 
if their seating's right and if they're placed into an area of a bracket that's not super harsh. Because they will lose to teams that are much, much better than them. But uh, but they also have the ability to upset somebody on a neutral court um, that's not heaps better than them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and another team that's not Power 5 but is interesting is uh, FAU. Yeah, So they obviously – they went to the final four last year and they retained their entire team that went to the final four. Um, they moved up a conference this year to the American more challenging conference. And currently they're second. I mean, USF has been out, they beat them the other day and they have a better conference record. So I don't, I don't really know where to put on. I think they're going to get an at large because they've beaten top heavy teams, but at the same time, like, I, I don't know where to put them. It's kind of like the North Carolina thing where they retain their entire team and then miss the tournament. Like they could be out first round. Um, yeah, it, it was very weird. I love Florida though. I love Florida. They got that high powered offense and they can, they can play good defense too. I think they're going to be a, they're probably gonna be like a seven, maybe six seed if they go on a little run here at the end of the year. But um, yeah, we'll get a read on Washington state tonight too. Tallest team in college basketball. <laughs> That'll be Mizzou next year. I know. Pretty crazy. All right. Um, should we say hello? Yeah, unless you want to talk NBA, but I really no. haven't been watching it. So, nope. Tell now. I know we got. I know the Lakers got dim witty. I know a, I know a, a Nets beat reporter guy who like crashes car during a uh Twitter Twitter spaces call he while discussing a Dinwiddie trade which is a crazy thing to crash your car over a Dinwiddie trade so that's crazy that it happened live though like while he was in the spaces yeah it's pretty funny but um yeah let's let's get into say a little kiss of goodbye um, let's see here. Are they together? No, you you only have one. Okay, I see it. Um, I'll go. Yeah, first. I only have one for each. Um, uh, I'll go first on the kiss of goodbye then. Okay, I have say hello to ESPN's college football NCAA twenty five, and I say that we've obviously I think we've talked about it on here before that the game that they announced the game a couple summers ago or something like that. Um, but it's supposed to come out. This summer, but they are just now like really starting to push it. Um, they just announced that they sent out like all the NIL things to all the players that are eligible for it if they want to accept it and opt in. Um, and then they also uh, have been like having college football teams post that they're hashtag they're in the game um, to like showing that all the schools that are confirmingly getting into the game. It's just really cool. It's really cool to see the hype. There was a teaser trailer that dropped last week that I no joke shed a tear after like while watching it, um, which was very, very, very uh, weird looking back. But uh, I don't regret it, and it it makes sense. I've been playing NCA uh, fourteen for eleven years, and seeing that trailer literally gave me goosebumps. Um, so that was really awesome, and uh, I just can't wait. Is I I really hope they do it right. So and I think it's it's leaning towards that they will, and that would be yeah. so refreshing. It's so. looking good. I I've only played 
in I, like I've never had the game. I've only played it. I think it was your game is the only one I've played. I've watched a ton of it on YouTube though, and uh, I mean I I'm excited just to be able to play it for the first time too. Yeah, for me. it'll be so fun. Um, say hello to Draft Talk. I just say this. I put this out there because um, the combine is one week from today. NFL combine and everybody's already starting up mock drafts and stuff before the combine and everything and projections and stuff, quarterback projections. And I, I got into a riveting argument uh, earlier today with, <laughs> with some people about uh, quarterbacks and where they're going to go and uh, just how, just stuff like that. So just say hello to Draft Talk. It's coming. It's going to be here before you know it. Um, it's a nice little treat after March Madness um, to kind of get you back in the football mind. Um, and then my next say hello is to Supernatural. A couple nights ago, I started watching that show again. I've It's 15 seasons, and I've watched it all the way through three times. And I might be starting, I started it from the beginning and we will see how much of it I get through. Um, so yeah, just putting that that's, out there. That's, that's actually crazy. It when, is When crazy. you said that, I, I was like, um, I wonder if he's talking about the show or if he's talking about that, uh, I believe it was a whale that got pregnant to that just out of nowhere. There was no father. Like, I know it was a stingray. <laughs> it was a stingray. That's what it was. It was like a a uh, secluded female stingray. She's never been around a male in her life, like in this tank, and she's pregnant. So that like is crazy. It, that wasn't what I was talking about. That is crazy. That's literally how Anakin Skywalker was conceived through the Force. Yeah, that's how Jesus was conceived too. Sure. Shout out. Maybe, maybe this is the Jesus of stingrays. Like could be. You know, maybe maybe what they have their own do? Jesus. What is the promised land <sighs> for stingrays? Just Australia. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they overtake humans. I don't. I don't know. Maybe they're the new top dog of the food chain. Doubt they can't walk on land. Could easily just break a stinger. Um, <laughs> hello to the punt god. Chief signed Matt, Matt Areza today. So we've been on Matt Areza's case since the beginning. Um, a couple of years ago, I've uh, while I was watching college football avidly. Um, he was just bombing punts for San Diego State. And then he – I don't think he got drafted, but the Bills signed him pretty much immediately after the draft. And then they had to cut him, obviously, for that fake scandal. And now he's back. And, of course, he goes to the Chiefs, who, because they are just smart organization, willing to take a flyer, boom. Now they have the punt god added to the Super Bowl winning roster. So I'm, I'm happy for him. Uh Obviously, we were on him before he – I mean, the draft and stuff. Like when the Bills drafted him, we were on to him. Um, and it was a shame because all those charges and stuff that uh, he had against him, like the rape charges and the sexual assault and stuff, it, it all came out that it was all fake. It was all fabricated. None of it happened, um, which sucks because he, he had an opportunity there, and it was just ruined by, by false – accusations um so i'm excited to see him get another opportunity and i hope that it goes well for him because he was fun to watch him at san diego state all right your sailo uh my sailo shorts um at least for the time being because i've been wearing shorts a lot recently I, I i made a meme the other day and it was just basically like whether 
on the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday during the week, and it's like super nice, and then weather on the weekends, and it's just super like super bad. bad, like super cold, like no sun. But for whatever Not reason, the weather in the in the middle of the week has been awesome, and it continued this week. Except this week, it's continuing into the weekend, um, which means midweek next week will be awful. <laughs> it's just it's it's Missouri weather at its finest right now. It's racking up the numbers. Yeah, classic sure. Missouri weather. Um, but yeah, shorts because you can wear them quite frequently now. You just, yeah. have, to, you just have to check the weather before you go out. Every, like when you're getting dressed, you got to check the weather because you never know what's what's going to happen. <laughs> just got to be like prepared. Yep. Yeah. I love wearing shorts. I came across the picture of you in the car with your red shorts on. The Cardinals oh outfit the other day with the red hats and that gave me a good old laugh again. Yeah, this, this was the jersey and that. Yeah, I know. That's too. what reminded me of it too. <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, you haven't seen the one where it's I'm wearing that exact same outfit instead of the white jersey. I'm wearing my red Paul Goldschmidt T-shirt, <laughs> um, so it's just all red. Um, Crazy fit. Yeah, I'll never I forget like the it. first time I saw that image. <laughs> Look like the Arizona Cardinals whenever they wore their color rush jerseys. Um, look like a can of lipstick or something. Um, yeah, then my much. kiss it goodbye is I have in parentheses on this one, kind of a say hello. Um, but Desiree Reed Francois, uh, we alluded to this earlier. She left Mizzou, um, due in part to the oversight committee that you know we talked about earlier, but she took the job at Arizona who also had an opening at athletic director. And it is interesting because she did graduate from Arizona. Um, she got her law degree from the Arizona law school. So it's not like she just left Mizzou at, well, she did kind of leave Mizzou out of nowhere, but that is the alma mater. We've seen many people do that. They, they leave their jobs to go back to their alma maters. And especially in this case uh, where it kind of seems like, Mizzou kind of took away a lot of her power in the organization. And so, yeah, I kiss her goodbye because she's, I mean, she's at Arizona now full-time. I think she starts in like a week full-time or whatever officially. Um, but yeah, like kind of a say hello for me because, I mean, when I saw it, I was, I was shocked by the news. I couldn't believe it because that has been a huge problem on Arizona, um, the community online on the message boards and you know, on Twitter that I, you know, a lot of people that I follow and engage with consistently um, have, have come to known and, and befriend on the Arizona Twitter. It's been a massive problem because obviously what was it three months ago, four months ago, the athletic department at Arizona misplaced um, roughly $250 million. Um, just an accounting error, just, just a small accounting error of $250 million, very similar to what happened um, to the United States government on September 10th of 2011, but um, we won't we won't go down that route. But yeah, 2001. Excuse me. Massive accounting error. Um, and so he, yeah, he lost his job. He 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 was gone. Somehow the president of Arizona, uh, Mr. Robbins, kept his job through it all. But yeah, this has been a huge issue because like Arizona athletics is at an all time high. Football and basketball. I mean, basketball's back. A fit like full time. That was a huge scandal with the Sean Miller paying players allegations. Um, a lot we went through a lot of suspensions and fines and stuff. But basketball is now rolling. 
Uh, football had a great year, even though we lost our head coach, but a lot of people are, seem to be up on the guy that we hired. Um, a lot of other programs like Arizona softball, Arizona women's basketball, Arizona soccer have been, you know, competing and very, very doing very, very well, I guess. And, but there was just this massive hole looming at the athletic director position after, you know, he obviously got fired and, I mean, we couldn't have had a more slam dunk hire, in my opinion. Like, this was the best thing that could have happened to the University of Arizona athletic department was to get DRF in there. And, I mean, the accounting thing, the, the money thing, it'll be gone. It's already down to $170 million, I think. Um, so, I mean, in notes, probably a year, two years, it'll be, it'll be like it never happened almost. And... uh I mean, so that's definitely a win for Arizona, but man, it leaves a massive hole at Mizzou. And I know you know a lot more about this than I do, so I'll let you talk about it. But I mean, it's it's a tough scene for Mizzou. It was just, a, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speak on it too much because I like I love DRF a lot, and I don't blame her for going back to her alma mater, and I don't blame her for leaving if you know she's doing this great job and then all of a sudden a committee has to oversee and take away from what she's trying to do. And, um, you know, and that's really all there is to it. You know, there was tension there and, you know, she saw an opportunity, um, to go home basically. And, uh, I don't blame her for doing that, especially, you know, with the situation at hand right now with this oversight committee, this board of curators that uh, can basically just watch your every move and kind of uh, it impedes on the control of the true position of an athletic director um, and what it's supposed to do. Um, so, and I get that. So that's all there really is to say about it. It, it just really sucks. Um, like I said, we loved her. So it's, it sucks to see her go. Yeah, I, I'm glad initially I thought there was going to be a lot of hard feelings between the two fan bases of Arizona and Mizzou, which would put a conflict on me. But, I mean, after what we went through, both losing to those those pricks over at Princeton, you know, last year in the tournament, um, Arizona, you know, clutching up to beat Oklahoma in the bowl game, that was a big win, you know, to unite the two fan bases. So I feel like we were kind of moving together, and then all of a sudden it was like this happened. I'm like, oh, man. But I think of a lot of Mizzou fans – there's not a lot of like hard feelings. It, no, like, yeah. Just, the anger it was more our towards uh, the true fans. The anger is more towards the university and the the board of curators and the oversight committee and just you know the curse in general of how you know if Mizzou has something good going, um, also leave it up to Mizzou to kick themselves in the nuts and uh, yeah and ruin it. So and that's what happened. So. Yeah, we can't have nice things here. It is what it is. Um, yeah, it's been a very weird experience because for a lot of, I mean, a lot of Arizona fans and stuff have been asking questions about like, well, what is she going to do? What is she about? Stuff like that. They just don't know a lot about her. And so I've just been like a huge help to a lot of people to be like, hey, you know what? No, this is a slam dunk hire. And um, she announced that Arizona was going to be cutting no athletic programs. They were going to keep all their sports, which she was very big on while she was at Mizzou here. So I'm glad to see that she's keeping that up. Uh, yeah, good luck, Arizona. It's going to be a fun time here for them. All right. Well, that pretty much sums it up. Yeah. 
I will say, I know we didn't really talk NBA here, but I had a dream last night. And I, I just have to say, I've been thinking about it all day. And it just, in the, in the dream, it was so normal. But it would actually be crazy if it happened. I had a dream that the NBA champion this year was the Los Angeles Clippers. Whatever that means. I I mean, I think that's just has just about high of a hit rate as Punxsutawney Phil with picking spring or winter. I mean, the, the Clippers just can't win. So Exactly. But they're good this year. They've been – I mean, everything's firing. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, they've never been to a finals. Like they just yeah. went to their first conference finals a couple years ago. Yeah, beat um, Jokic and then maybe we can conversate. But yet, my dream, I'm probably going to put a future on them Jesus. because of because <laughs> of the dream. Uh, and they also have James Harden on their team. So that's kind of like an, the Clippers and James Harden. Like that just – you're not supposed to win a title. But they no. do have Kawhi Leonard. Playoff guy, playoff performer. So, playoff. We'll see. I just had to say that. I had to get that out there. They might not be my pick, but the dream was so it, it didn't. I don't remember them winning, but it was just like the after talk, like everyone talking about, "Hey, the Clippers won the title." Like, what does this mean? And it was just like so normal. I was like, "Why would the Clippers ever win the title?" It just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I don't know. All right. That is interesting to say the least, but I don't. Yeah, I I, I will not be. Uh, I will not be betting on the Clippers if I was. That's smart. Them. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right, it's a good move. That's show eighty nine, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a shout out to uh, George Washington. I believe he would have turned two hundred and ninety four, two hundred and ninety two today. If he was still alive, he would have been 292 years old today. So, shout out GW, GW, yeah. except <laughs> for the slave thing. Yeah, well, we won't mention that, but uh, <laughs> we'll cover it up like everyone else. Uh, all right, we'll see you guys next. Maybe not next week, but next show.